children, their children, their children. There's presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you, He is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He is for you, He is for you, He is for you. Psalm 67, to the choir master with string instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth, Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. I'd like to invite you this morning to open your Bible with me to Psalm 67. Psalm 67. In, in every way, uh, I know that uh, I'm... I'm blessed. I mean, my life is a life of, of blessing. Uh, I spent an uh, early part of this past week in a spiritual retreat. And for three pastors on the retreat, this was our 27th year uh, that we've gotten away uh, one or two times a year just to catch up with each other and to do life, a little bit of life together with each other. A number of factors um, make those kinds of uh, opportunities valuable. Uh, the, the, the change of scenery certainly is uh, refreshing, and the change of schedule is certainly energizing. Uh, but what keeps us connected is the relationship factor, the depth of our conversation uh, goes way, way, way beneath the surface. Uh, we talk about things that uh, most, most men never share with other men. Uh, the culture of our relationship uh, exposes levels of pain uh, as well as joy. Uh, and again, we, we, we go to places where uh, we encourage each other, we help each other, uh, and it's an exciting time for us. Uh, we know the value of the hours that we spend together, and we make sure that we... We do not 
miss a single opportunity. We squeeze every opportunity we have to share life together uh, out of those moments. We play hard together. We pray fervently uh, for each other and for our family and for our churches. Uh, and we invest in each other in, in ways that are deep and meaningful uh, and that in many ways are a dream come true for us. Uh, before we depart every year, uh, we always plan the next adventure that we're going to have uh, the next time we are going to be together. It's that valuable to us. We know, we truly know that that kind of investment in each other, those kinds of relationships are blessings. And we know that they're blessings from God. Uh, I'm also blessed uh, every day of my life with having the privilege of pastoring a church like this. I am charged with uh, the call of God and the responsibility of God to be uh, an under-shepherd, a pastor, uh, to a church of uh, awesome people, great people. Uh, you encourage me uh, in the way you desire to know and love God. Uh, you, you encourage me by the way you live in God's Word and you hunger and thirst for God's Word. You encourage me by the way you pray uh, for one another. Uh, how you fellowship together with one another, uh, and how you join together in missions to reach out around the world. Uh, in every way, you are certainly a blessing to me. I also know that I'm blessed uh, with uh, a family that is truly devoted to knowing and growing in our relationship with God. Again, I'm blessed, just blessed in every way possible. And this psalm kind of takes us there. Last week we looked at Psalm 66, and we were challenged in our corporate worship practice. Uh, we discovered that there is, there's a very high cost to worship. And we need to take worship seriously. And we do take worship seriously here. Today in Psalm 67... This psalm takes us to even a higher level in worship because it's talking about the personal relationship that you have with God in your personal worship. In his book, Desiring God, John Piper said, an exalted view of God should compel the believer to do great things for God. So the greatest blessing in life takes us far beyond family and church and even the kind of friendship relationships that I've talked about. As we look at Psalm 67, I want to challenge you to look with me at four ways, four ways that we as believers are blessed. Every single one of us are truly blessed. First of all, we see in verse 1, that believers are blessed by God. So many people read psalms like this and passages like this and really miss the whole point. Verse 1 says, May God. Do you get that? May God be gracious to us and bless us. Make His face to shine upon us. As human beings, we are called by God to come face to face with God and walk through life truly being blessed by Him, first of all, 
by knowing him personally. In Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26, we see this same quote there. It was a prayer that the priest prayed on behalf of God's people. It was a blessing that the priest spoke and prayed for the people of God. And in our small group, small group bridge guide this week, uh, we, we break down this passage in Numbers chapter 6. Some of you have already looked at it today. Others of you will look at it through the week. And if, you've, if you're not in a bridge group, I encourage you to go to our website and download uh, and work through this passage in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. But for today, I want you to understand that the greatest blessing in life is knowing God and knowing that you know Him and knowing that He is the source of every blessing that is a true blessing in life. The psalmist begins this song with appealing to the provider of all blessings. And you're joining in worship today because you either know God and love God and want to express your worship to Him or... You are on a journey to searching for God so that you can know Him and love Him and be loved by Him and praise Him and worship Him. When the psalmist asked God to bless us and make His face to shine upon us, he was asking God to give God's undivided attention and full favor on Him. It's kind of like, you know, when you're, when you're talking with... Um, a young child and the child is talking to you and your mind is kind of wandering off on something else that you may want to be thinking about or may have your mind occupied on and that child is talking to you and and realizes you're not listening they take your face and they they push your face up close to their face and they say listen to me that's what I see in this psalm today we have the privilege and responsibility to draw our face close to the face of God and understand who he is and experience him in a real and personal way. Are you aware that most people in the world never come to know God personally? And I'm not just talking about somewhere in the far corners of the world. I'm talking about right here in our country. Most people never come to understand what it means to intimately know God personally. Recently here, right in the state of South Carolina, I heard a young, about a young man who said, I do not believe the Bible. And what he meant by that was seven-day creation, Noah, the flood, the virgin birth, miracles, and so forth. He said, I want to find the truth by looking inside myself without anyone else's opinion. Now, if this young man continues to follow that search, he's going to find God because God says uh, in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13, you will find me when you seek me and search for me with all of your heart. That's what it takes to come to know God. You put your whole heart into seeking him, and the Bible says you will find him. The person that he said this to asked him a very good question. Here's what she asked him. She said, have you ever really read the Bible? He said, well, several people have given me Bibles, but no, I don't guess I ever. 
he was basing his opinion about God on what he had heard other people say about the Bible rather than reading the Bible himself. So who is this God that the psalmist is appealing to? Can anyone really know him in all of his fullness? In Ray Ortland's little book entitled The Gospel, he says this, he says, Not one of us has ever had a single thought about God that was fully fair to the magnitude of who he really is. And I believe that's true. I believe that's true. Um, the source of all blessings, God himself, is indescribable in human terms. He's beyond description. So when the psalmist appealed to God for his blessings, he appealed to a God who has made him known. And the primary way God makes himself known to us today is through his word. He's chosen to make himself known through the Bible. And that's why it's important for you to join me in looking at what the Bible actually says, reading the Bible for yourself. Not looking at what somebody else says about the Bible, but saying, God, as you read it, say, God, reveal yourself to me through your word. Because that is a primary way in which God has revealed himself to us. The Bible describes God in, in such terms as the Lord, the Most High, the Eternal One, Creator, the All-Sufficient One, Almighty God, the Self-Existent One, God with us, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, the Lord of our, is our righteousness, and so forth. All of these descriptions describe to us who this God is, but they all fall short of totally expressing and describing in human words who God is because He's so indescribable. The Bible says that God is love, for example. Well, what does that mean? I mean, in our culture today, the word love has come to be so wishy-washy and be so shallow that even that term about God falls short of really describing Him for who He is. But the Bible says if we will search for God with all of our heart, the Bible will reveal Himself. He will reveal Himself to us through His Word, through the Bible. That's why describing Him, though, using these words, human words, is truly just incapable of fully describing and defining who He is. The way you get to know Him is to come to know Him personally. The more you grow in knowing Him, the more fascinating He becomes to you. God wants you to go deep with Him, not just know about Him. He wants you to know Him intimately. Now don't miss this, because the psalmist didn't have this advantage. The best way that we can come to know God, the best way that He has revealed Himself to us is through Jesus. God actually came to this earth and lived as a man so that we could know Him personally, know Him intimately. There's only one way to truly know Him. The psalmist said this way, the psalmist says, God, be gracious to us and make your face to shine upon us. And guess what? God has done that. He's been gracious to us. What is God's grace? It's the fact that He came to this earth and lived as a man. 
And this is not just some fairy tale. God really came to live on this earth. And it's so hard for us to wrap our minds around this, but it's the way we personally come to know him by believing that he did come to this earth and live a perfect life as a man, just like you and me, as a human being. And in his perfection, he provided for God the justification, the payment for the penalty of our sin. And he hung on the cross and died and shed his blood so that his blood could be an adequate price to pay the price for the penalty of your sin and my sin. And when we believe that, when we believe in him, then he pours his grace out upon us, pours his mercy out upon us and forgives us and sets us free to walk daily in intimacy with him. So let me ask you today, have you received his grace? Have you trusted him? Have you come to know him in his graciousness so that he can shine his face upon you? I want to challenge you today, if you haven't done that, to do that right now. You don't have to wait. You can trust him right now. Just admit that you're a sinner and understand that your sin separates you from him. And believe that he is your savior. And accept the gift of salvation that he offers you. And allow him to set you free from the penalty of your sins so you can walk with him. And then so you can not only be blessed by him, but be a blessing to others because you do know him. And verse 2 takes us even deeper in our private worship experience with God. Believers are blessed to be a blessing. Believers are blessed to be a blessing. Verse 1 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Verse 2, That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. The purpose that God is gracious to us and shines his face upon us is so we can be a blessing to others after we experience that blessing of relationship with him ourselves. We actually get to share the experience we have with God with other people. Abraham was a man of God who God chose to be a blessing and then chose his people, the nation of Israel, to be a blessing to the nations. Listen to Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God chose Abraham for two reasons. Number one, God chose Abraham because he wanted to. God is God. He is sovereign. The psalmist understood this. The psalmist understood that God's way would be known on the earth. God's way, because God is sovereign. His way is perfect. And when God's way becomes your way, when you surrender your life completely to Him, you understand that God doesn't make mistakes. He's sovereign. 
Everything he does is perfect. And when God gave Abraham the mandate to be a blessing because he received the blessing from God, and when God chose Israel to be a blessing to the nations, he did that because he knew that was best. He knew that his justice was best served by doing life his way. And that's true with you and me today as well. That's our mandate. Our mandate, though, secondly, is the same mandate as the mandate of Abraham. God chose Abraham not just because he wanted to, but so he would be a blessing to all the nations. And when God came here to earth and lived here on this earth, Jesus Christ, God's Son, the gift of God that came to set us free from the penalty of our sin and set us free to know how to know God, gave you and me the same commandment that God gave Abraham. Here's what Jesus said to his disciples just before he went back into heaven after living a perfect life and dying on the cross to pay the price for the penalty of your sin and then being raised from the grave. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28. He said, all authority is given to me on heaven, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So friends, you have the same mandate that Abraham had. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been blessed by God with relationship with God so that you can take that blessing and share it with other people. So let me ask you. I've asked myself this question this week a number of times. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with taking the blessing that God has given us and using the blessing of our relationship with God to bless other people? I shared earlier this week that I spent last Saturday evening, Sunday evening and all day Monday and Tuesday morning in that retreat. The retreat was the home of one of my best friends. It's located up on Lake Kiwi up in the northwestern part of the state of South Carolina. Five years ago, uh, my friend and his wife heard God calling them to give their home to him and give their ministry to him and allow God to use them to minister to leaders who either needed counseling or just needed a place to get away for a few days and rest and recuperate who couldn't afford to do that on their own. And so Mark and Sheila obediently resigned their position at a church they had founded some 15 years earlier, and they opened up their home to dedicate the rest of their life to this unique ministry. Hundreds of men and women have been restored or refreshed through Shade Tree Ministries in these last five years because Mark and Sheila were willing to, first of all, know God and hear His voice, and then walk close enough to him to be obedient to him to follow what God had asked them to do. Now, I experienced that blessing last week. And because I experienced it, listen, I can't help but tell other people about it. I can't help but tell all my friends who are in ministry, if they need a place to get away, to just go up there and uh, relax on the lake or receive counseling from Mark and Sheila, whatever they need. I'm excited about it because I've experienced it. How much more 
Should you and I be so excited about our experience in our relationship with God that we are sharing that experience with other people in our lives? How can we stand not to share what God has blessed us with in our relationship with Him with other people? So true enjoyment of God leads naturally to the mission of helping others see the beauty that we see in God. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, praising God to others completes the enjoyment. My experience this week with Mark and Sheila want me to complete the enjoyment by sharing it with other people. If you have children or grandchildren, they have a great uh, experience in life. You can't wait to tell them about it, tell other people about it, can you? I mean, when something good happens, you want to share it with other people. And your personal, your personal God-given mission is vitally important to the spreading of the gospel to the nations, according to this psalm. So don't shortchange yourself. And don't shortchange God. Every blessing He pours out can be a source of blessing to others. That's where verse 2 takes us. It takes us deeper. That your way may be known on the earth and your saving power among all the nations. That leads us to the third reason why we're blessed. Believers are blessed to praise God. Not just to be a blessing to other people, but to praise God. In verses 3 through 5, the psalmist says, Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. I mean, if you read this verse over and over, I mean, it's like, it's like being at a football game and watching your team score on the last play of the game, score the winning, the winning points in the game. I mean, you can't help but jump up and down and celebrate with that kind of joyful experience. And that's the kind of experience the psalmist was, was feeling here. In the past two weeks in Psalm 65 and 66, we've looked closely at glorious praise, what it means to... Not just say, yippee, you know, when something good happens. But, I mean, join in really celebrating with, with glorious praise. We've learned that God receives greatest glory when worshipers who are glad in Him declare the greatness of God to the world around us through authentic, sincere, confessional praise. In an article entitled, Let the Nations Be Glad, John Piper said, Worship is the fuel and goal in missions. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. Are you experiencing the greatness of God in your life in a way that you are pouring out your praise to Him, not just on Sunday, but in every aspect of your life, in every moment of your life. Life will never 
reach its intended purpose for you or for the rest of the people around the world until you and everyone else in the world is fully devoted to praising God with all of life. Every experience of life can be a foundation for praising God and should be a foundation for praising God. In the Songs of Jesus, Timothy Keller said it this way. He said, we want a multi-ethnic international church of worshipers and a world of justice. There's only one way for that to happen. Only one way. And that is for you to take the blessing of your experience with God and share it with others. Share it with others so that God might be glorified. We don't take credit for any of the blessings we have or we rob God of the blessing. When we experience blessings that are true blessings, we give God praise and glory and other people are drawn to Him to praise Him as well because of the way He has blessed us. That is the true way life was designed to work. So God is truly worthy of our praise. And to know Him is to praise Him. And when you truly know Him and truly praise Him, that is the greatest reward in life. We are blessed. We're blessed to praise God. So, so how can we accomplish this purpose? I, I want to get really practical here now. I want to get really down to earth with what I believe the psalmist is trying to convey to us. Let me, let me give you a few practical examples. You praise God best when you know Jesus and make all of life about Him. Is that the story of your life? Do, do you know Jesus? And are you making all of life revolve around Jesus? The good things, the bad things, the up times, the down times. Every single moment of life is a foundation, a platform to make all of life about Jesus and point toward the true Savior of the world. That means you wake up in the morning and you connect with Him through His Word before you do anything else. I like to put it this way. <laughs> you celebrate the good news before you saturate your life with the bad news. I mean, you know bad news is coming your way every day. So why not put God's good news in your mind and in your heart first? And then the next step is to pray and ask God to let His Word guide you through the day. And then you make a commitment that you're going to live in obedience to His Word. You read His Word first, you pray and ask God to bring His Word alive in your life, and then you obediently follow what He tells you to do. Those friends of mine up at Shade Tree Ministries would have never dreamed of trusting God to use their home and their ministry to reach out to hurting and needing missionaries, needing missionaries and, and, and ministers on their own initiative. They would never have dreamed of that. You can't even imagine all that God wants to do with you either. When you learn to know Him, and commit to make all of life about Him. He's going to use you in a way that's going to blow your socks off. God wants to use you in a powerful way for His glory. 
how might God use you to let all the peoples praise Him? Let all the peoples praise Him, this verse says. Well, you'll never know until you know Him. You'll never know until you know Him well enough to ask Him to use you. But when you do, when you do come to that point where you know Him that well and ask Him to use you, be ready. Because He's going to use you in a powerful way. I met with our Zambia missionary last week for lunch. And this was just a, an ordinary businessman who went on a mission trip that our church sponsored 13 years ago to Zambia. When he came back from that mission trip, he sat in my office and he shared with me, he said, Ronnie, I, I feel like God's calling me to be a missionary in Zambia. Now, I have to confess to you that when he said that, I said, in my mind, not in my words, but in my mind, you're not qualified to be a missionary to Zambia. I learned a really humbling lesson through that experience. Because I had to sit there and realize that I'm not qualified to be the pastor of this church either. In human terms. I'm not qualified to do anything that God uses me to do. But for the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. God took those two missionaries and He has used them over the past 13 years in ways that has just really blown my mind. I mean, their level of commitment. Now, these are just two ordinary, everyday people that God called. God has used them to lead thousands of Zambians to come to hear the message of Jesus Christ and come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Someone said, and I've picked up on this, that God doesn't always call the qualified, but He always qualifies the called. And that's where I say, yippee! Yay, God! When He called me, He qualified me. Whatever He calls you to do, He's going to qualify you to do as well. 31 churches now exist in Zambia that did not exist there 13 years ago. Isn't that awesome? And you've had a part in that as well. You've had a part in that. Every Saturday, hundreds and hundreds, and I'm talking about four, five, six, seven hundred children. I've seen pictures gather at the home of that missionary couple in Zambia, cover the ground hundreds of children and hear the good news of Jesus Christ at their good news club that they have every Saturday there in Zambia. Ken shared with me that for around 25,000 U.S. dollars land can be purchased and a new brick church can be built in a community where thousands of people live that do not have an evangelical gospel witness. You've never dreamed how God might can use you. you. You may never get on an airplane and go to Zambia. You may never sit in a circle face to face with those children. Some of you have been there. You know what it's like. But some of you may never go. But you have resources where you could support and supply a ministry like that. Where God can take it and multiply it and use it to bring hundreds more Zambians to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's true every other place around the world as well. 
So I'm just saying, know God well enough to hear His voice when He calls you to do whatever He calls you to do, and then be obedient. Do it. Be like Isaiah and say, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Here am I, Lord. Use me. So how do you respond to a need like that? Well, you stay close enough to God to hear Him when He speaks. You open up your life and say, God, whatever you say, wherever you lead, I'm going to go. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do. And then be obedient. Follow through. Do it. And that leads me to the conclusion this morning, the fourth reason why you're blessed. Believers are blessed to be contagious. That word catch your attention? Believers are blessed to be contagious. Look at verse 6. The earth has yielded its increase. It's been contagious. It's yielded its increase. The blessing of God has been multiplied. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear Him. So let's dig in and see how this works. Believers have been blessed by God. And we're challenged to enjoy every blessing that God gives. But as we enjoy His blessings, whether it be, listen now, the air that we breathe. Are you aware that is one of the greatest blessings from God? To have air to breathe? To have a mechanism where you can live and, and breathe? To the most tangible blessing you can think of that God pours out on you. Every blessing has been given for your benefit and for you to share with other people. Our mission, mandated by Jesus, is to make disciples who make disciples. When you do that, all the ends of the earth will fear Him. That's what the Bible says. People look at how God has blessed you and you become a glowing light for Him. And it attracts people to fear the same God that you love and worship and respect and fear. How do you do that? You live close enough to God to follow His heart and loving all people in all places that He sends you and sends your witness. You make a commitment that you will dedicate your resources that He has blessed you with to making disciples who make disciples. We didn't make this mission up. It was given to us, mandated to us by Jesus. So evangelism and missions flow from true worship. You've never truly worshipped God without having follow-up action. A part of worship is doing what God asks us to do. A part of worship is serving, sharing, loving, caring. Worship is only complete when it's followed up with action. And that's what God is calling us to do today. I think you'll agree with me that there's never been a day when the word contagious was more relevant. 
Everybody knows what you're talking about when you talk about something being contagious today. And even in the middle of the circumstances around us, you and I are blessed in so many ways. And hot news travels fast as bad news travels fast. And when God does something great in your life and you share it with other people, that news travels fast. As God yields the increase, as verse 6 says, as God yields the increase in you and blesses you, I challenge you today to share those blessings and give praise to Him so that your life, your life can be contagious. So will you commit today to totally give your life to Jesus? Will you commit today to allow Him to bless you so that you can rub off on everyone else in your world and even beyond your world? Will you obey Jesus when He said this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. So you don't make your light shine. God's going to do that for you. If you know Him and love Him and open up your life to be used by Him, you're going to be amazed at how He's going to let His light shine through you. Some practical examples of that, and these are just examples. If you're in a recovery program from some kind of addiction, and you've been set free by Jesus from that addiction, help someone else find Jesus so they can walk with Jesus and celebrate their recovery by praising Him as well. If God has blessed you with a great marriage, Share that blessing by praising Him to help someone else build a solid marriage on the foundation of His forgiving, gracious love. Because if you have a solid marriage, that's what it's based on, His love and His grace and Him giving you a forgiving spirit with one another. If God has blessed you with financial security, help someone else find security by trusting Jesus to set them free from financial bondage. You see how this works? Be contagious with God's blessings. And that way, being contagious is really incredible. It's not something to be sad about. It's something to be very glad about. One final mention of that experience I had this week up on Lake Kiwi. For three of our pastors, I said this was our 27th year together. Ten years after that, along the way, ten years, four other guys joined our group, and that has pretty much been our group for the last 20 or so years. But this year was special because there was one brand new pastor there who joined us. And my prayer is that 27 years from now, when most likely I'll be looking down on what's going on here on this earth from heaven, but my, my prayer is that 27 years from now, there will be scores and scores and scores of young pastors who will have been equipped and encouraged and resourced because of the relationship of an experience like that. Believers 
are blessed to be that kind of blessing to other people. And that's what the psalmist said when he said, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Palmetto Shores, that's my prayer for us today in Jesus' name. And one word of application here. I want to challenge you to join me by petitioning God Petitioning God's blessings for God's people to all the nations so that all the nations will join in praising God. Isn't that a great mandate? It's doable. But it starts with you and me knowing God and being obedient. Father, I thank you today that in every way you have blessed us you've poured out your abundant blessing both physically you've given us jesus to pay the price for the penalty of our sin and god first of all i just want to pray if there's a person hearing this message who has never trusted jesus who's questioned what it means to really, truly know you intimately, God. I pray that today they'll just admit that they're a sinner and believe that Jesus died for their sin and repent of their sin, turn away from their sin and say, God, I believe. And I want to spend the rest of my life knowing your blessings and sharing your blessings. And then, God, for those of us who have prayed that prayer years ago, I pray that that will become truly the reality of our life too. Help us to celebrate the blessing that we have in you even now as we continue to worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and continue to worship. <laughs>